your noontime look at the financial world. What's trending in Chicago business? The midday numbers. John has the Trust Business Launch now. Right now. Sponsored by Thatcher Oaks Commercial Awnings. Covering, covering, you get it? Chicagoland business for 39 years. That's what we're doing. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about money, but not spending much of it. And that's the whole idea, according to the Frugal Fellow, personal finance writer, contributing writer for Bankrate, Bob Hagel. Hi, Bob. Hey there. How's it going? Uh, It's going great. Thank you very much. So I understand that you do not open your wallet very much. Well, I try not to if I can help it. Well, you and me, both of us, you know, and you have some great tips. And what I love about these tips is, okay, if you don't like this one, then maybe you'll like that one or that one because they may not reply apply to everyone, but mm-hmm. at least one or two or three of your tips will apply to you no matter who you are. And if you pay attention, here are ways you can save money. I think we could start off with the 52 money-saving challenge yeah sure uh well that the concept behind that one is it's a really simple one um the idea is that you start saving money uh you know the very first week you put a dollar away and each week you just increase that by an additional dollar is all it is and so you know the first week you save one dollar the second week you save two dollars the third week you save three dollars and so on and so on and by the 52nd week then you would save 52 dollars and you know, those are obviously small gains, and but the idea is to really have a kind of a snowball effect where you're slowly saving more and more money. And by the end of the year, um, you'll save more than $1,000. So it's just about having those small wins and kind of really gaining that momentum so that you can save more and more every week. You know, before we give more tips, I want to back up a little bit. I mean, most Americans statistically have some credit card debt. Most Americans statistically aren't able even to save for tomorrow. And even statistically, I'm not talking about my listeners, of course, but I mean, truly, <laughs> as, as a culture, we're not necessarily thinking about tomorrow. Uh, can you talk about all of what I just said a little bit? Uh, yes. Well, credit card debt is uh, really a problem, especially right now, because interest rates are so high. Um, credit cards have, you know, 20 plus percent interest rates. So getting those credit card uh, bills paid down is really important. Um, you want to really focus on those. Uh, the average person has more than $5,000. The average household has more than $5,000 of credit card debt. Um, and so with those double-digit interest rates, that can really add up very quickly um, if you're not paying them off. So it is important to pay those down as, as quickly as you can, for sure. Um, but I would not, I would not um, completely neglect saving money because – um, at the same time, if you don't have savings and you end up having an unexpected expense, your water heater breaks, you have, you know, a medical bill, whatever the case might be, um, then a lot of people are going to end up putting those on credit cards. And so it just makes the problem even worse. And so I know it's not easy to deal with that, but I would recommend at least if you can, just saving some money on the side while also paying down those credit card bills. Okay. Uh, of course, that's good advice. But as again statistically, as a culture, we tend not to pay attention, even if we know. Now, part of the problem is that you don't always have the extra money to do what we're about to advise, even, uh, 
and that is a reality for a lot of people. Then if you're just not making a lot or enough to save, even if you're making a decent salary, you've got two kids, you have to pay for their soccer practice and the trumpet lessons or whatever, and you have to pay for your own groceries and those prices are going up and you know the rest of the story. We all do. And you don't have that mm-hmm. extra money. It can it can be challenging to save even if you are as frugal as the frugal guy or <laughs> or maybe not. I mean, do people then again, we're generally speaking, spontaneously you walk down the street and you see something and that something's really expensive, but you really wanted that. Is that our our our, our problem? Um, I mean, it really depends on, on the person, on the situation, I would say, um, and, and definitely saving money can be difficult. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do. Um, obviously, these money-saving challenges are, are one strategy. There's other things that you can do. Um, you know, I like to focus on the big three, which is housing, transportation, and food. Um, so, you know, obviously for families, it might be difficult to reduce their, their housing costs because that means moving into a smaller house, and that might not be realistic. Um, but it could just mean, you know, eating out less, you know, making more food at home rather than going out to eat. Um, it can mean taking public transportation if you happen to live in Chicago and you can, you know, actually use that. Um, but I would I would focus on those kind of big expenses first. Um, but then there's also things you can do in terms of, you know, increasing your salary. You can try to get a promotion at work. Um, some people <laughs> well, might be able to pick up a side job. I mean, it really just depends. It depends on the situation on the person, I would say. Yeah, side hustles are the big thing now. Talking here to a hero of mine because he doesn't like spending money, and I'm all for that. And uh, I think that's great. Uh, I'm 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 a fan, actually. I want to know if you're related to Jack Benny in any way. Uh, no, not not that I know of. Okay, he's the frugal. He doesn't even understand the the reference. I think the frugal <laughs> fellow. Bob Hagel, personal finance writer and contributing writer for Bankrate. Okay, so the next one on your list that I'm... You don't know who Jack Benny was? I was going to ask you about. <laughs> you don't? No, I guess not, he no, no, no. No, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. All right. That's kind of depressing to me. But the next one, you can look him up, but the next one was what? Saving over a, a two-year period of time? Uh, no, there was, uh, are you referring to the reverse 52 week challenge? Yeah. Or, yeah, let's do yeah, that so first. It, yeah. So that, that one is just, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's the reverse of the regular 52 week savings challenge. So, um, the idea is that you start with $52 in the first week and, and continue going down $51 the second week, $50 the third week, and on the 52nd week, you have $1. And the idea here is if you're starting with a lump sum of money, like you have a tax return or an inheritance are the examples that I give, um, and, and that just makes it easier. And so then it basically gets easier as you're going through that money-saving challenge. So you save the same amount of money, it's just going in the opposite order. What I looked at, that okay, this can make an impact, and, and at the same time I think a lot of people can do this, is the six-month money-saving challenge. Explain what that is. Yeah, so with that one, it's um, instead of saving every week, you're saving every other week. And so you actually save, with this one, the way I set it up is that you save $2,000 um, in just six months. And so that's actually more money than you save with a 52-week challenge in less time. So obviously you're going to be saving more money. And in fact, every week is over $100. Um, but if you are someone who gets paid biweekly and you get paid you know, a decent amount, obviously, 
um, that can mean effectively to save, um, like I said, $2,000 in six months, um, which can be, I think, a really powerful number for a lot of people. Are people surprised at if how quickly a little bit can add up over time? Uh, I hear about this from various experts on WGN on the Wintrust Business Lunch with John Williams all the time, where where someone explains and does the math, which I'm not very good at, but someone else is doing it. I'm good at listening. So someone else is doing the math and notes that if you save, it doesn't matter, X amount of dollars, whatever that amount is, month after month after month, over five years, over 10 years, you're going to have much more money than people would have ever thought. Is that true? I, I think so. You know, I think, I think the thing is, is that, again, the reality is that a lot of people don't have that much money, you know, left over at the end of, uh, end of the month. True. Um, and so, you know, but, but at the same time, I think some people are in the mindset where, you know, they, they may not make a ton of money, but the little money that they do, they might spend it on, you know, things that they don't need. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't have any problem with people spending money on things they enjoy, to be clear. But at the same time, if you have, you know, an extra $100 at the end of the month and you're saving that, um, I think that can really add up. And, you know, it's, like I said, it's really important to just have a little bit of savings. And so when you start saving $100 every couple of weeks or every month, um, yes, that can really add up quickly and it can be really powerful and make a real difference in people's lives. For so sure. let's say your resolution is to say, OK, I love Starbucks, but I'm not going to do that anymore. Could you save if you got, I don't know, Starbucks lingo? And it's easy for me to say because I don't, I don't, I'm not a coffee drinker. But what is it? They, uh, mucho grande, grande, mucho latte, schmate. I don't know. I don't know what they call it. <laughs> but something like that. And you say, okay, I'm going to give up two of those that I had every day and have one a day instead or have none a day or have, okay, three days a week and make some sort of compromise and, Will that be that savings of I don't know? It could be thirty-five to fifty-five or seventy-five dollars a week. Does that add up to actually make a difference? Well, first of all, I just want to uh, I just want to mention one thing that you hit on, which is that this does not have to be all or nothing um, in terms of saving money. It's not that you have to completely give things up. It's, it could just be reducing it a little bit, and even that can make a big difference. Um, but yeah, I would say you know if you're saving an extra you know ten dollars a week, twenty dollars a week. Um, that can really make a big difference, especially right now, because um, high yield uh, savings accounts are giving you, you know, four and a half percent in some cases, four or five percent. So if you're putting that, you know, into a savings account every week and that's giving you interest uh, every month, um, that can definitely make a big difference for sure over time. And that's the thing. But you do have to stay committed to it, but it can really make a big difference over time. So we were talking about New Year's resolutions earlier in the show. And, you know, the most common resolution is losing weight and working out in conjunction with that. Uh, Can this be a resolution? You have to make it doable for yourself. But can it be a reasonable resolution? Think about what you spend money on on a weekly basis that you really don't need. Like Starbucks, I will use that again as an example. Nothing against Starbucks. Uh, But it's not cheap coffee. You can get coffee other ways. Uh, is that something that could actually make a real difference in a life? Or you're taking something that people enjoy away. Steve, what are you talking about? How can you do that to people? Where, where do you fall in there? Um, I, I think it can be. And that's actually why I, I published um, this post, you know, uh, this time of year. That's no coincidence. 
um, a lot of people, you know, obviously you had to, you know, spend a lot of money over the holidays. And so I think, you know, people are thinking about their, their, their finances right now. And I think, yes, I mean, again, if you're, if you're saving, you know, let's say a uh, dollar this week, $2 next week, $3 the week after that, um, I think that is a, a really good place to start because a lot of people can't even cover a thousand dollar emergency expense, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, if you can save that money over the course of a year, um, I think that really can be, a, a, like I said, a, a very powerful move to make. And um, it can just put you into a really good path. Um, and, you know, like I said, you can continue the next year and the year after that. But I think it's just about changing your mindset and understanding that this is something that can be doable. What is the no spend challenge? Kind of ties along to some extent with what we're talking about. Uh, well, the no spend challenge is something that it's it's one of the ones that's more customizable on this list because um, with that one you can, for example, give up something completely. Um, so one of my friends I know decided not to buy any new clothing for a period of time. So you could say, you know, I'm not going to go to the store and buy new clothing for for a month, for example. Or it could be your your Starbucks coffee. You could say, I'm not going to buy any Starbucks for for a month, for example. Um, but it's just giving up something that you would normally spend money on and saying, you know. I'm not going to spend any money on it. And the idea is to, to decide ahead of time how long uh, you're going to go without spending money on that thing. And at the end of the money, at the end of the month, excuse me, you can look and say, Hey, I saved, you know, a hundred dollars. I saved $200. And then you put that money into a savings account and just continue from there. All right. We're running out of time. I'm going to jump ahead to the pantry challenge. What is that? Uh, the pantry challenge, it can be the pantry challenge or the freezer challenge. But the idea is to, um, make a list of everything that you have in your pantry or your freezer, as I said, and um, come up with meals that you can make just using just those things. So instead of going out, you know, to the grocery store, um, you just use the things that you have on hand. You know, using as many existing ingredients as you can. Um, and so that's a way to not only save money by not spending more money, going out and spending more money, but also you're using things that are not perishable. Um, so, you know, that can be a really good way to, to save money. And prevent food poisoning, I suppose. Bob Hagel, the Frugal Fellow. How do people find you? Um, well, you can find me on, on my website, thefrugalfellow.com. I'm also on um, LinkedIn under my name, Bob Hagley, and uh, Twitter as well. Okay, Bob, thank you so much. Uh, have a great New Year. Thanks, you too. Appreciate it. You know, we just had a guest in studio a little while ago. Who's, I asked, I said, what's new with you? And she showed me her engagement ring, you know. But things are changing, and she described what her wedding a year plus from now might look at. And I guess that entire world is changing. Our guest on the phone is Lorette Varis, who is a owner of Bridal Extravaganza. It sounds very impressive. What is Bridal Extravaganza, Lorette? Good afternoon. We are a wedding show in Houston, Texas. So we're the largest show in the country. So couples come to us on the weekend when we deck the whole convention center out just like it's a wedding and we have every single thing that they need there. And that's how they meet all their vendors and that's how they plan. So that's what we do. So we're excited because it's about to be wedding show season just as soon as the holidays are over. Starting in January, we go nuts. What was that TV show? Uh, Something for the Bride or uh, you 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 don't know the one I'm talking about? 
There were so many. The, I, the most popular that I always think of is the Say Yes to the Dress. That's where they the go to New York one. and they go shopping. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That really put us on the map about 15 years ago when we brought their star to our show. And people went crazy over him because, they, you know, he can look at you and say, oh, this is your type of dress. But yeah, a lot of fun with that show. That brought a lot of attention for sure. So what would be the, uh, the trends for weddings for 2024? So 2024, we're seeing, we're still seeing smaller guest lists, which is kind of a a carryover from COVID. I think during that time, people really got focused on what's really important to them. And everybody, the, the couples are saying loud and clear, what's more important is smaller people, but more of a connection with them than the old days where, you know, a lot of people that were invited to the wedding were your parents' friends. You didn't even know them. We're definitely seeing that trend. We're seeing couples trying to be more eco-friendly and more, you know, mm. conscious of what they're doing to the environment, you know, trying to recycle their flowers afterwards and trying to choose food that was grown closer to them, things like that. That's interesting. Uh, and uh, you said shorter people. So only people that are five foot and under can come to the wedding. But you mean smaller, smaller <laughs> list. Smaller, I, I know what you smaller mean. Smaller amount I, of people. <laughs> I apologize. I should not have. Oh, now, love now it, love uh, it. what about destination weddings? We are seeing a huge uptick in destination. And so the that's got, I'm, I'm, I'm interrupting you because that seems like the opposite of what you just said. Or maybe, it, or maybe well, people really don't want people to come to the wedding. And that's why it's in <laughs> outer Mongolia. Here's where I see the uptick and here's why I think it's happening. Because of the economy, things, you know, cost more than they used to. So when couples see that, like, wow, it's going to cost me that much to do this. Why don't I just do that in Mexico? Or why don't I just do that in the Bahamas? And I think there's always been a feeling that this is not a new trend. There's always been exactly what you just said, that I'll invite them and really, the, only the people that really, really care to get on that plane and take that trip will be there. And the rest of those people, well, you know, did I really want to feed them that night anyway? If, you know, I, I've always heard couples say that. So I think just with the economy, it's kind of pushing people over like, hmm, I always thought I wanted destination. And I think I'm really going to heavily research that. So, yeah, we're seeing a huge uptick in that. And I think that's going to be over the next three to five years. We're going to keep seeing that trend. I have an interesting text, and I was going to ask you a version of this question anyway. I'll sort of paraphrase the text and combine it into the question I was going to ask, which is, uh, we've all been to weddings where you look around, there are, I don't know, 200 people there. It's how did the bride and groom even know all these people? They have a lavish orchestra. They're serving hors d'oeuvres with fancy names that you've never heard of before. So therefore, that's got to be expensive. Not to mention it's in downtown, fill in the blank, name of the city, but big, expensive hotel. I mean, you could buy a house for all that. Literally, sometimes put a down payment down anyway. Certainly buy a car. So are we now thinking a little differently those brides and grooms because those weddings still do happen and i don't know maybe i've gotten old and decrepit and grumpy but i'm thinking gosh (laughs) if those people only spent money that same amount of money on something that would actually make a difference in their life yeah um you know i'm gonna say over the past 15 years i've heard hints of what you're saying it's almost it's almost been like this underlying current 
because yes, what you described still does happen. And I think in that case, it's, it's a true family decision, right? It's the mom and the dad, and it's probably the mom and the dad from both sides of the family, and they're the ones, they're very involved in it, and it, a lot of those people are their friends, maybe they're their work colleagues. You know, that's, that's always going to happen, but that's just a small percentage, right? As the average age of the bride, you know, 15 years ago, the average age of a bride was about 24, and now it's about 28. And that's a big difference because just that little jump goes from, I'm a child that maybe my parents are helping me a whole lot too. I'm a total adult. I have a job. You know, I've been on my own. And when you're looking at your wedding from that perspective, yes, you just look at it totally differently. We could be starting a family with, with a house or a car and then throw layer in the economy, what's going on. Yes, we're seeing way more people just say, say no. Like you just said, say yes to the dress, say no to that whole country club or downtown ballroom and maybe it's just a barn or it's you know a more casual setting and us and like i said before the smaller guest list absolutely you you actually are on trend you're on trend with what you're thinking well clearly i'm a trendy guy but i want to ask you <laughs> i want to ask you about i won't even tell you how many years ago i got married i i do want to ask you though about the trend for yes dresses but more important to me is there a trend for the guys? Uh, are they wearing something that is I've been to or have seen pictures of weddings where guys are wearing tuxes, but they hearken back to like the 1970s tuxes. Is that a trend or am I just seeing weird stuff? So I personally have not seen that trend. So I, well, I don't we're know all what better, you we're, we're perhaps all better off for that. <laughs> but what I will say is, and I am hearing from the, the companies, the national companies, it's not just your order your tuxedo and don't even think about it. And, you know, you just look like the, the person in the picture from 20 years ago. It's the tuxedo, but maybe with a cool, you know, no tie or a different kind of tie. Or I'm from Texas, so we see a lot of the tuxedo, but with the boots and jeans. You know, and or they're just not doing the tuxedo at all. When you see these destination weddings, the guys will be in shorts with just a Hawaiian shirt. So we're seeing a lot. I'm, I'm hearing from on a national basis hearing they're not doing the tuxes like they used to, which I think is kind of fun. I mean, you know, the, giving the guys a little more personality. So what you're saying, I'd like to see because that sounds cool. I bet it was a theme <laughs> wedding or I bet there was some reason for it. I don't and know. what the heck? Why not have fun? Oh, listen. I suspect you'd agree it's your wedding, meaning the bride and groom, and it's whatever they want or whatever the people paying for it, the dad and mom paying for it want, which is a whole different topic. Uh, the brides, what are they wearing? So they're still mainly doing the traditional white, although I will see a cool black dress. I'll see a really neat hot pink or red, and that, that'll get a lot of press coverage. But at the end of the day, I mean, I also run a magazine where we just get weddings in all the time. And you're still seeing long, beautiful lace, mainly strapless, still fairly traditional. I almost say that they'll, no matter where they decide to go, if it's going to be a beach or it's going to be a ballroom or it's going to be a barn, they're still, they're wanting, they know that they're going to have that picture forever, right? That portrait. And so they're going for the, just the beautiful, classic bride and then that's their picture now put that picture wherever you want to right yeah and now i ask you the most impossible question of all i'm a guest at a wedding how much money do i give <sighs> okay so the, the the proper etiquette answer is 
and it's hard to calculate, right? At least what they have had to pay for you for your dinner, right? Like that's the minimum. Exactly. But of course you can't really know. So to me, it it always uh, depends like what part of the country you live in or maybe how well you know the couple. Um, Of course they do do these um, online registries. You can get them a gift, but if you're just asking me like, what's the amount, my recommendation is going to be at least minimum $85 to like 100 150 if you can, if you feel comfortable with that. And I wonder if some of that varies depending on where you live. So if you're in Armpit, Iowa, it's not as much as if you're definitely downtown Chicago. Uh, <laughs> one more very quick and question. And really, from, it'd, be more, it'd be more like how much you know them, I think, mm, right? You know, mm-hmm. for sure, your, pers- your, your relationship. Okay, one very quick question here from a listener, but it's a great text. Uh, have you noticed, because I think it's true, the divorce rate to be especially high after lavish weddings? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, I've never, like, judged that or measured that or have a statistic for it, but, like, just my gut feeling, you do hear that. You hear, oh, my God, like, the bigger, the more amazing, and three years later, they're not married. But I can't, I cannot say that that is statistically, um, have, have been proven. I really can't. But, oh, my gosh, what a great question, and what's something I'd like to research. Well, we have listeners who ask the greatest questions of the Love greatest it. guest like you Love it. from Bridal Extravaganza, Lorette Varis. Thank you so much. Awesome. Have a great day. A, a very well-known personality here on WGN, Tom Fortino, founder and principal of the Alpha Wealth Group and host, of course, of This Week in Wealth right here on WGN. Tom, it is nice to talk to you. Very nice to talk to you, Steve. Thanks for having me. Any big resolutions that we should all have for the New Year's having to do with the market? <laughs> you know, I try to stay away from that. It was interesting. There was a recent study that said uh, it was Business Insider at the University of Scranton. It said 21% of people abandon their New Year's Eve resolutions within uh, one week. So I try to kind of stay away from that. But that said, uh, we'll talk to the other 79%. But I think it's a good opportunity it just the mindset to review and recalibrate, you know, you're one year old. Well, you're in a new year, right? You may be one year closer to retirement. You may, there's certain ages, you know, if you hit 50, I'm sorry if you're getting older, but <laughs> there's an opportunity, right? You can make contributions. Now you can, your 401ks uh, go from 23,000 a year. Now you can put up to 30,500 a year into your 401ks. Um, say that you know, again. Con- well, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I did not know this. So can you say that again? So at eight, from age 50 and up, under age 50, your contribution amounts to your 401k, which is one of the biggest, in most cases, the biggest investment option available to people. But under age 50, the contribution amounts are 23000 They actually are going up next year, so we want to be aware of this. If you're 50 or over, so if you turn 50 this year, you can now put 30500 into your 401k. So it's important to be aware of some of these things so we you take bet. advantage of it. You bet. Absolutely. And, and yep. if, if one did not hear WGN radio, one might not have known about that, actually. That's right. Yeah, that's actually yeah. true. So the markets this year, yes. what's, what, I need your crystal ball. I know you have one. <laughs> so I, do people say, okay, we're doing well. Let's get ahead of the game and pull out, or do they say let's ride it, or do they look at themselves in the mirror and say, well, if I'm 98 years old, the answer is different than if I'm 28 years old. Well, the answer to your last question typically is yes. Depending on your age and where you're at, 
you're near retirement, in retirement, you're probably going to take a different approach. I would just make this comment. I've quoted Eugene Fama before, who is a University of Chicago professor, Nobel, Nobel Prize winner, who said, you know, with investments, they're like a bar of soap. The more you handle them, the smaller they get. We <laughs> want to be careful, right? Yeah. We want to be careful and just have a, a plan we can stick with. So to, as you were saying, Steve, you know, now do we get out? Do we not? That's Unless you're an active trader and you're really involved, I always say, please be careful. You know, last year, the S&P was down 18%. This year, it's up over 20 If you had abandoned the market in January 1st of last year, you would have missed all of the upside. You know, we can get into what bonds have done over the past few months, how they've rallied. And so really, again, it's it's not about being, you know, smarter than the next person. It's about being more disciplined. We really want to just make sure we have a portfolio that makes sense for us, whatever we feel we should have in the market versus what we should have in fixed. But really take um, inventory of that, too, as well. Look at your investments, understand what you own, and and create a portfolio that makes sense for you. Of course. Uh, And one way to do that is to talk to someone like Tom Fortino. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. The John Williams Williams News Click is what will the markets do in 2024? Go to WGNRadio.com. And, well, we want to hear your view. But I want to hear yours, Tom. So here are the choices. It's going to soar and exceed its record high. It's, I guess that's not your choice. It's going to continue to do well and overall eventually level off. It will stay the same or there'll be a recession. Which, which is your choice? Well, I would say, um, and I, this does not, again, should not impact how you invest and how you're structuring your portfolio and how you design it. But I would say, you know, look, it's a little frothy now. It's moved up a little bit. I think we may see some things move sideways. There may be a little down. I don't know if we're going to see this up another 20% from here. So I think, you know, we may take a pause and have a a moderate to okay year, right? Um, But, again, I don't have a crystal ball, Steve, and and no one does. So, again, you know, from year to year, things we can't predict, that's the point. So we want to really stick to, to the plan. Uh, but I think it's – I don't know if we're going to see another soaring um, uh, year. I think there's some headwinds here with debt, um, a lot of debt out there, personal as well as uh, government, co- corporate debt. The housing market's still a little crazy, so there's some headwinds. As we move into 2024, my last question is optimistic or not as much? I mean, you kind of are hinting. <laughs> well, I'm always optimistic because I say you've got to always take action, control what you can. That's why I mentioned the thing about contributions, you know, Roth contributions, too. You can do those. Those are tax-free. Those go up to 8000 You can still do 2023, by the way. I want to be clear about that. Even though the clock is going to tick, we're in January. You have till April to do 2023 Roth contributions. That's in addition to your 401K. So I'm always optimistic because I say we got to take action and do the things we can they're going to impact us down the road as well as today. Excellent. It's always good uh, to, to hear what you have to say. It's good to talk to you, Tom Fortino, founder and principal of Alpha Wealth Group and host of This Week in Wealth on WGN Radio. Just the title of that show sounds so upbeat, This Week in Wealth, implying yes. that you listen, you'll be wealthy, right? Well, we try to get you there. We try to help and get you pointed in the right direction. That's what it's about, Steve. I've been hearing your voice for a very long time. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you. Hey, Happy New Year to you and all your listeners. You take care.